0: Hi, this is Dave Pryor. You're about to listen to an interview Andrew Young and I recorded together. During the podcast, you'll hear Andrew and I talk about the fact that the interview was conducted with video. That's how we originally recorded it, but we decided to just post the audio version. And I just wanted to mention that up front in case there was confusion for anyone. Thanks. Dave Pryor, welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. This is sort of a special podcast. One, it's video, and two, we're going to focus on some Leading Agile stuff, a little bit about the company to try to give people a better sense of what we've been doing on the product side. Andrew Young is here, so Andrew, thank you for taking time out of your morning. Absolutely, Dave. It's uh, always fun to chat. Especially on video early in the morning. (laughs) Especially on video early in
1: the morning, and I am actually a couple hours behind
0: the East Coast even, so it's like... It's really like super early. early. Yeah. Okay. Um, so before we get into the topic, could you talk a little bit about your role at Leading Agile and give people some context for what we're about to talk about?
1: Yeah. So Dave, my, my title um, currently is Product Practice Lead at Leading Agile, but I think that that's a, an evolution of a whole bunch of stuff that I've done here with Leading Agile a little bit of background right i've been been with the firm about three years and in those three years the word product went from a thing we talked about to a you know maybe a focus that we do or a core competency in the way we um, hire and recruit and, and land talent on our accounts so as product practice lead i'm responsible for helping the organization understand how to integrate the word product um, both into how we help individuals on the ground with our clients and our teams and our accounts really operate at a higher level of craft, but okay. also how do we as an organization uh, understand how to integrate the word product into all of the work we have done for the past 11 years.
0: Okay. Um, so I want to try to set, I check in with you on some stuff and also give a little bit more context. So one of the things that has happened in the space that we work in over the last couple of years is there's been a massive shift to everybody wants to be product focused instead of project focused. And I know that in the classes I teach that the enrollment for the PO classes has like skyrocketed over the past couple of years. It's grown significantly. So there definitely seems to be more of a focus in that side of things. But I don't think I've ever been at a company that was so stocked with I mean, it t- it actually took me by surprise. It wasn't something I would have expected out of a transformation company, but there really does seem to be a push internally for us to develop that as a skill set.
1: Yeah, I think about maybe, and I don't know if it's you know attributed to Mike or to Dennis or or what part of our leadership team, but I attribute this i this notion of. What's happened in industry, at least in the 11 years we've been around, there's symptoms of language that, that are being used. It used to be velocity we're focused on or reducing our volatility. And then it used to be, um, how do I get more through the system? And we think we already know what's good and bad to get into the system. And we've watched it evolve into the language recently or, or in maybe the past five or six years where it's around how, how do we know we're providing value? How do we know we're making the right decisions? And I think for you and I and people that are product focused, product Product adjacent, um, design minded. Those are just table stakes. Okay. But for some of our clients and some of our sponsors and some of the executives that we worked with ten years ago, the word product was an othering thing. Right, product was over there. We're doing delivery. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, you said the word projects to products. We think about that as kind of one of the biggest conditions that needs okay. to be changed to get to. Uh, be able to have that conversation. How do I measure my outcome? How do I measure how important this was to our customers or to our business? How do you to define value? That's right. To do all those things, you have to remove some conditions. And, you know, leading agile, as a firm itself, we've also matured, right? Yeah. About a year ago, we probably started down this, this idea of that there's more than just the base camps or that base camps, you know, how we, uh, uh, maybe how we target where teams need to be on their maturity model is one frame. But then there's the organizational conditions, on this other hand, that might enable some of those teams to be exception versus rules. And so we've introduced internally this language of what we call summits, which are the organizational conditions that need to exist so that the critical mass of teams can get to wherever they need to
0: go. Okay, hold on. I just want to dumb it down for a second (laughs) for the folks like me because I get kind of caught up in the language. So just for the folks who are listening, if you're not familiar with base camps and summits, what we're talking about here is Like, I could go in and train a team how to use Scrum. But if the organization has not created an environment that will support Scrum, it's not going to work. We can train people in DevOps, but if we don't come in and help you reorganize your system so that it can support DevOps, it's not going to work.
1: Yeah. So, so love it. Great. I'm going to be a little bit more semantic than the classification you gave. So, we'll agree with you. We can train them on all the things. We can give them all of the craft so that they, um, given the conditions, could thrive. Absolutely. In in our model, though, we know that those conditions don't always exist, and sometimes there are exceptions, and that's why I use that word exceptions. It's not to say that you can train them on the thing, give them all the stuff, and they're going to just be able to not use it. They'll be able to use it, but the organization will view them as different or unique, or we had to put them in a special box, or you know, we we hear about this with like R and D and innovation, and like we gave them a different pool of funds, and we don't treat them the same. Well, that's just an exception because those conditions that we taught them against—how to get out of the building, how to measure value, how to do all of those design thinking things that might have come with innovation—it's just because those conditions over here don't exist, and it's not that they can't. We just have to be really clear as an organization that they're now an exception. And so okay. that's what a base camp, right? You you nailed it in, in our language, right? We're gonna give them all the stuff they need to be to where they wanna be. And sometimes that's just predictability. Sometimes this domain of people just needs to be predictable with what they're doing. Sometimes though, and what we're seeing is that pattern of language is we want that group of people to be able to own value delivery. And to own value delivery, it requires knowing your customer, it requires knowing your business, it requires knowing, um, how to make strategically aligned decisions. It requires a whole bunch more craft than just agile scrum coaching predictability that we might have done. And so this is that beautiful blend of like, what is a CSPO course looking to do? I think it's the exact same thing. The difference here, and maybe what we get out of CSPO, we teach them, um, Assuming that all the conditions can emerge, they can go do it <laughs> sure. right? or that they have all the conditions. And I think yeah. as leading agile, we, we have really anchored into a cohort of people that understand the conditions don't commonly exist. Right. And transformation five years ago was about IT, predictability, or the language, and maybe the symptoms, the language was around IT, predictability, yeah, how do it we be it wasn't good... really
0: focused on the product side at all. That's right. And we're watching it
1: shift. And so with that, we know that some conditions have to change. and the the one that is the most common right there's there's literature around it publicly right now there's all the case studies of how do i shift from projects to products right that is probably the largest condition that's changing and so at leading an agile we're leaning into that that narrative of well and so now let's go back to i use the word summit we've talked about base camp just now summit is just talking about you know where does that projects to projects projects to products shift live can I do that on day one or are there preconditions before I can go focus on products? Okay. And as a firm, right, we still anchor on all of the stuff we've always anchored on structure, governance, metrics, it starts with systems, practices, you know, all of these things that you have to go through what we now call a summit story. The same way you have a base camp progression, your organization will have a summit progression. And that first summit just sounds like what we've done for the past 10 years. How do we get all of the operations um, really focused on producing outputs of value that we can trustedly delegate our decisions into. How do we get decisions closer to the people that are near the customers? All the all the mantra you've heard, right? And that you've, right. you know, interviewed everybody about on this podcast for years now. That's that's Summit One. And, you know, Scott Selhorst, a handful of us that have joined the firm in the past three years, anybody with the product distinction, you know, all anchor in that, but then know that there's more to it, there's a, there's next level things. And I think that's what we're doing with this product practice is are we're just amplifying all the work of a trusted system to say, now you have the opportunity to create those conditions so that that vertical slice of teams, a portfolio team, a product team, and a whole bunch of delivery teams can not only just deliver what somebody told them to go deliver, they can provide better feedback loops. Same things we teach in our CSPO classes, same things you'll go learn from the industry best design thinking firms or industry best product management, product schools, or general assembly. All of that's craft, right? All of that is just how do I do better personas or how do I do better journey maps or how do I do better? That's right. What we know is that giving you the tools is insufficient. You have to have a structure around you and the conditions to enable it. Okay. And so so the product people here at Leading Agile, right? We could go teach tools all day. We could hire a job. And that's what people are
0: asking for, right?
1: So I think that's what people That's what they think they, they need. I think they're seeing that... The next opportunity to deliver value, you need better tools. And just as Mike said 10 years ago when when we started this journey, and he'll say yesterday, um, as we're continuing this journey, the tools are insufficient, right? The tools need to be enabled by conditions and, you know. The difference between some of the product consultants or product minded consultants supporting transformation work and maybe some of our competition or um, training product trainers or even just, you know, agile training is that we're focused on um, you actually don't need all of the maturity and craft on day one. Right, and so that's the that's okay. a weird misconception. Is like, oh, I'm um, if I gave you an amazing persona, or I gave you an amazing uh, journey map, or if I taught you how to do all twenty six of these tools and techniques, you would yeah. have the answers. And you know, we don't we don't necessarily believe that, Dave. We believe that you need to be better than where you were yesterday to make decisions. Right, and you more yeah. importantly need the conditions so you can keep elevating. And so okay. there's this interesting tension that's being created, right? Because um, product is kind of sexy. It's it's a little bit more fun than just like delivering some stuff. I delivered value. Yeah. I delivered <laughs> delivered something people want to use. Yeah. But
0: well, it's sort we go, of like a dark art still for a lot of people.
1: It is, and we go to these extremes sometimes. Of like the unicorns, the unicorns yeah. that were so successful. What was it? And you know, some people will say, "Well, it's the best UI in the world," or it was. You know, they knew the customer the best, or they had a user researcher that spent days and hours. And you know what? Maybe that's true, but. I bet you if we unpack all of the wild successes we refer to, they have a set of structures and they had a, they had a model that, or a set of conditions that enabled that role to exist. Right. Like, and let's start with just basics. You know, we have some clients today that don't even have product development designers Yeah, and you know, that, is that a craft thing? Well, no, somebody has to be good at doing that job, but we even have to
0: first create the space for that job to exist. And the perception that it's valuable. I taught a class last week where people were like, this is dumb. Why are we even learning this? We don't get to decide this. I'm like, why? I don't know why you're here. <laughs> I honestly don't. Yeah, that's
1: exactly right. And, and it's different, right? Like, you know, I have a personal background in graduate school, trying to figure out, like, if you spent another dollar on yeah. design work, how much return would it be? And when do you stop spending those extra dollars?
0: Okay, that's a really important question because... I always feel like you guys, you see things at a level of granularity and depth that I, it doesn't even occur to me to bother with out of the gate. And then when I do, I'm like, yeah, but the time required, I mean, when I talk to people about personas and like, how much time is it going to take? Is it really worth the effort? Well, yeah, but maybe not. Well, so that's a great one,
1: um, Dave. I. I- it's i'm stumbling here for a second because it's going to sound dirty we don't anchor on personas heavily yeah initially right like there's a level of maturity in your conditions before you can even leverage a persona like how certain are you on your decisions regardless of the persona how much information and feedback loops do you have how how much are you using a bias versus a hypothesis like there's some earlier techniques that we want to enable before we even care about personas and so like you you hear this like where's my persona where's my journey map well yeah Yeah. okay that's great but you know what you're gonna bump up and spend more time around um defining a persona that then turns into a possibly a marketing piece or turns into a bookshelf item you know we work with clients all the time that externally hire these things they get the nice little report and it goes and sits on the bookshelf and they never look at it again if it's not an active dynamic piece, and this is where it's now governance again and structures again, if we haven't figured out where do I pull up the persona on a weekly basis, or right. where do I look at my value proposition versus my uncertainty of the future chart? Like if, if that's just an activity as an input that's never looked at again, we wasted time. And yeah. I can teach you all day about all these really cool things. I've got a bookshelf full of books of really cool tips and tricks and <laughs> techniques and facilitate. But if I don't get, right, if we don't <laughs> create a space for you to apply them, And let's, let's go back to the phrase projects to products projects have one time in which you get to apply those project definition, right? It's early it's upfront and then it's, it's kind of contained products. We're trying to create a dynamic living system structure that allows us to regularly test our assumptions based off of what we currently know. And so we're trying to increase, um, I use the word speed, maybe the way we move through things in a product-based world, make some assumptions, document them, talk about our hypotheses. We're going to test the same things we teach. Again, I'm going to keep anchored on CSPO because I think it's very similar to what we're doing with product, right? The word products in CSPO, right? The difference is, is we know that to exploit in a healthy way, all of those learnings, the conditions have to be there. Yeah. And, and so what's the special magic sauce of us product people at leading agile? It's that we don't anchor on the technique solves your problem. We don't necessarily come from a agile transformational save the world background. Right. We come from this blend of, well, every day we make a decision, we could be making better decisions. And how do we make better decisions? I think we all believe push it as close to the team, to the customer or user as possible. And to do that, which is what Leading Agile has said for years, right? To do that, um, it requires changing of conditions. And then if I go back to our summit story, the the way we're talking about it Leading Agile now, five years ago, seven years ago, I mean, even up to three years ago. And to be honest, even in some of our clients tomorrow, it's going to be this way. Yeah. The leadership team doesn't have either the awareness, the maturity, the comfort and and moving to where we need to go. Some though have got that whole agile team-based thing done and they get it and they say, but the needle's still not moving. And we say, great. Now we have another set of conditions, Summit two that we need to change. Is it the way you're funding your teams? Is it the way that you're organized around your products? And that's when you start to move
0: them further down this path.
1: That's right. One One of our clients leaders said you know what sometimes you just got to wait till the old guards retire till we can make these conditional changes the condition i mean
0: they're not ready for the for that question yet a lot of the time Uh,
1: yeah and and there's an interesting like we glaze over that quickly at times they is it they the person or they the org because there's pockets in every one of our organizations we work with that believe this
0: it would be us with them together i mean because it's that system of us working together
1: right that's right that's right it's absolutely true but you know, I was talking with one of our, our consultants working on a new engagement, and what we what we call um, the Define the End State phase. Yeah. And we were going through this narrative. We had um, we were lucky enough to be on site with a team, which was beautiful. You know, coming out of the pandemic, and it was nice to be like outside at, of your house, outside of our house, like <laughs> on a client site. It was remarkable, and we got to spend like water cooler time with client people, okay. which is something that's real tough digitally. Yeah, and 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 it was interesting because this consultant came to me and was like, that person gets it. How come they're not doing this internally? Right. And there's this notion of, well, sometimes internal people don't have the agency and that's yeah. what we're product. People are really good at finding the empathetic pockets within this org. They say, Oh, I just need to go help them exploit their knowledge because they actually get it. And it's not okay. that the, that the bigger, they, yeah, yeah. Um, doesn't want. I mean, maybe the bigger they doesn't want it, but there are pockets of people in these organizations. We've seen it for our whole our whole life, right? At leading agile and with our client engagements, somebody in there is saying the same thing we're saying.
0: Well, so I have a bunch of questions I want to ask you, but on this topic in particular, I feel like when you're talking about agile transformation, there's some people that get it right away. There's and I and I was definitely not one of those people. I am somebody who fought it, um, like fought combatatively against it but it seems to me like on the design side there's people that get it and people that don't see it but there's nobody who's like screw that where that's dumb right um are there design hostile people i think there are people um maybe
1: not hostile don't understand when is enough and so they're they're like um, I gave you one unit of it. One was enough. And the design side says, well, it always takes four units. And they say, nope, one's all you get. And so I think we have that. I think they believe that no units is wrong, but yeah. one unit is right. But the truth might be four units is the answer. I think okay. there's a whole cohort of, and, and, but I also think that that is a result of the conditions that live in the org, But they actually have yeah. to deliver something faster. and then Like they design work. thinking
0: with one loop. The,
1: um, iteration with one loop. Okay. yeah just one loop iteration um and that could be right it, the beautiful thing is now we can map this back to our model are we talking l- one loop of stories are we talking one loop of assumptions are we talking one loop of uh, uncertainty and problem statements are we talking one loop of investment and so like we can continually exploit that narrative of how many loops how many feedbacks how many it's cycles is right well, the right amount and okay the product world is going to say well, you never know this time it might be one next time yeah. it might be three, but what we're going to do is we're going to always build a, a set of, um, disciplined, persistent things. And that could be ceremonies that could be activities that could be events that say, given the information we now know,
0: yeah.
1: which could be one loop later, four loops later, 20 loops later. And it also could be new input from new stakeholders or competitive threats or a new initiative coming down from the top what's the best decision to make today. Okay. And that's the craft we want to teach with the product craft is, is it's less. Yes. You need a, yes, you possibly need a persona. Yes. You possibly need these things, but I don't need, it's much less of a box checking activity that says I need to go into this session with a persona to make a decision.
0: Yeah.
1: Nope. I need to go into this event with the most relevant information that I can then look up to our strategy and say, Hmm, Given what I know now, we should do this. And in most organizations who haven't gone through that projects to product shift, that frame is always against how do I, knowing what I know now, how do I make the best decisions to finish delivering that thing? Yeah. And in a product world, we're saying, knowing what I know now, should we finish that thing? And if not, why? And if not, what's the better alternative? Right. And if we are going to finish this thing, how do I build myself an out whenever I need the out to validate, we should go somewhere else. Ah, okay. So it's giving yourself more options. All right.
0: Um, well, so
1: that's, that's a fun okay. word, right? Options. Like yeah. I like the word options. <laughs> it's a complicated we word. You, it's a complicated word. I don't. And this is where we talk about like delegating decisions into the systems. Okay. The other extreme of the spectrum that we hear from some of our competitors and we hear in industry is build a product team or a delivery team, build a group of people and just give them some money and let them go make all decisions. They will self-heal. They'll self-course correct. You talked
0: about, you know, having them be the ones in charge of value delivery. Well, so absolutely delivering
1: value within the bounds of their responsibility. And so there's this There is this movement, right? This, um, I'll say a counter counter counterculture movement today that is um, an anti-pattern, at least for us and the way we believe that if you just throw a team, fund them or a set of teams uh, uh, funding and fund them for a year and say, you need to go figure out what's next or what's the the most important thing. Or even just a group of teams responsible for the mainframe at Bank of America, go figure out what's next. They might go out of their... Um, trusted responsibility domain and say it's something that's completely misaligned. And that's the risk with all this, you know, Dave, I've used, I use a coffee shop metaphor and I actually think we talked about it on one of our earlier podcasts when, when you and I were chatting about OKRs. Um, If I own a coffee shop and my mission is to own the best coffee shop and, you know, I, as the owner leadership team say, you know, coffee's our mission and we're, we're snobby on coffee. And we have a very, very specific brand and market around coffee but I let that product team around my coffee shop research everybody who comes through the door. And today we only sell coffee and water. And every customer who comes through that door says, you know what? I really love their coffee, but
0: sometimes I'd like some tea. I lived through this in New York city. When Starbucks came here, I worked at the first one and it was the first place they served. I think it was bagels and they, they we can't have coffee in New York without bagels, but up until then, it had just been coffee. Yeah. And That's an interesting piece of information, right? But it's just
1: information. Um, A lot of the times the training we can give to a product team or a product owner or a product person today would teach them lean into the customer, lean into what you're hearing, lean into the feedback, but we're forgetting that there's also this thing that we call strategy articulation. And so this has to be connected. So what we've done is we've taken the, I'm a snobby coffee owner, and we're only ever going to build coffee. And then all the way over here, we've got a team who's gaining all the firsthand feedback. This is, we would make more money if we sold tea as well, or we would have a higher adoption rate or retention rate or all those things. But these two things are in conflict with each other. And we're teaching this, like product today in the, the world is teaching this, how to be the best in isolation, agnostic or blind or ignoring of some of this stuff. Okay. And the thing that's missing in an agile transformation, transformation enterprises, and, and we see this more commonly in enterprise less in startups, right? This team is the only team in a startup. Cool. They're probably pretty, yeah. pretty well aligned. But if I'm one team of 900 teams in this enterprise, and we let 900 teams empower, we're going to watch all those north stars, those north arrows go in different directions. And so there's a whole box in the middle here. And this right. is the other piece of product that we're talking about at Leading Agile that we're trying to establish with governance, structured metrics. And, and this is unique to leading agile or? So I don't know you know, it's an interesting question. Um, if I, if I just do this hand again, because we're on video and I get to cheat now, um, yeah. you know, this hand, this is possibly Eric Ries, lean startup, right? There's okay. a lot of literature here out there. There's a lot of industry. This is um, this is well-known this box that I drew in the middle. I don't think we're the only people attempting it, but I think we're the only people attempting it right now with the intentionality that there's a decomposition between this and this okay. that requires just as much coaching, structure, governance, and metrics, and that the things we apply here teach craft, we can apply all the way up. Okay. People ask me, Dave, on on interviews, <laughs> you know, why am I here? It doesn't sound like Andrew. You're actually doing much product, or you know, the sexy product, or that. Because actually, transparently, a lot of people want to live over here. Basecamp 5, innovation, yes. sexy, all that stuff. And we have a lot of, of our organizations, a critical mass that doesn't live over there. And I said, you know, the beautiful thing for me is the, the way we solve problems over here. yeah Empathy, journey maps, hypotheses, all the stuff we could teach here. We can apply it through this whole stack and up through the enterprise to understand why that leader's not interested in doing this. They're, they're my, they're yeah. my customer now, right? Like as leading agile, as product people, um, you know, we believe that we have customers and they're people. They're the leadership teams and the portfolio teams in this organization. And I treat them like a customer design problem, the same way application team building shopping cart widget does to their customers who want to put something in a shopping cart.
0: It's it's um it seems like a more impactful and deeper problem because you're teaching people to see everything in a different way and and use these tools not just on the you know new zappos, but like the company that's been around for a hundred years, how are they gonna bring this into play? Yeah,
1: that's that's absolutely true. Dave, one of the things that's interesting is you know, leading agile's relationship to the word product, or okay. actually the industry's relationship to the word product. I find based off of who I'm talking to. And, and I'm going to give, I'm going to create some quick personas. How old are you? How many IT organizations have you been through? How many enterprises have you been a part of where the aisle has been split between delivery and product or design? Mm -hmm. And if I go through that criteria, I say, oh, I can regularly find the pattern that product to some people means design it, make it look pretty. For some people it's, what is the customer? What is the relationship? We have a frame where we talk about what's the market, then what's the customer, what's the problem? What are our option sets of solutions? How would we design each of them? And then how okay. do we how do we deliver them? And so that chain, right, that is product. All the way from market, all the way through to delivery, that could be product. Now that okay. chain integrates a little bit more of delivery product partnership, right? It's the, the thing where in that situation, yeah. I don't even have the distinction there's some decomposition. What was our problem and how many different solution, sh- solution sets should we go through? All that's product. But then I even see an, a more mature version of some leadership teams to say, well, product's just the way we structure our organization. Mm-hmm. And then what you're saying in around stories and epics and features and governance and tiers and all this stuff is just craft or governance to get there. And those are the people I'm like, two thumbs up, love you, right? Because those are the people that we can help um, maybe, on a faster scale and it's about installing it, not convincing you to install it where all this okay. gets messy for us at leading agile is because I just went through like six different conditions of what product means. We start recruiting product people yeah. and we have such talented product people. Some of them are like the industry leader wrote the book on whatever it is, jobs to be done or impact mapping or those things could go compete with any you know top academic on the thing. Then we have some product people that are so smart at product taxonomy. If you put a group of people around this thing, they're going to need a dependency with this thing. And then when we do that, now we have an orchestration we have to worry about. And in that, to make those decisions, I'm going to teach them some craft. And so we've got this breadth. But what happens is, at the end of the day, we're still leading agile the transformation company, leading agile the change. So is this within the system of the other things at the same time? That's right. We're leading agile. And you know what I love to say, and you know, Mike, if you're listening, I don't know where we sit on this publicly (laughs) or where you sit on this. I'd love to chat with Mike. And maybe this is something Dave, you know, you and I and Mike grab. It's like product is helping enable a learning organization, both on their products, but hopefully as how the organization needs to live. Yeah. And, and in that world, it creates this tension for the word product as we go find people. And as we place people on the ground, because we still believe in that summit story. You gotta be trustworthy and predictable before yeah. you go re-encapsulate, before you go build value stream structures, before you go change the funding models, before you go do projects to products. We first probably need some predictability and some flow so we can prove that that, that all this other stuff is worth the change. And for some product people, that's yeah. not fun, right? Because that's not product, that's well, transformation.
0: Yeah, I wanna ask you a question about this because when you were just talking about this, it triggered something in my head. When I went through Eric Reese's stuff, the thing that I came out of that with is it's not really about the thing you build, the, the product is the company itself. And it sounds like in this approach, there is the thing that you build and that's really important, but the product that you're actually creating is a system or a group of systems within an organization that has the capability to produce these other things
1: yeah, Dave, you're, you're talking at my heartstrings, right? Like I say, <laughs> I say personally in like my life, the first product any organization builds is the organization itself. Yeah. Totally with you on that. Now in our summit story, I don't think we have some leaders that believe that in summit one transformation work. I don't even know if we have some leaders. Or they that believe don't that. see
0: it. I mean, people that don't see the systems approach to things yet.
1: Th- that's right. And that's where, if you hear some of our other podcasts or um, read some of Dennis's, you know, literature, we talk about in the system and on the system. And when I talk about on the system, the system is the organization, all the stuff that's, Mm -hmm. that is a product and leadership's team is responsible for producing that product. Totally believe that. And you're right. Some people don't see it. Some people don't believe it. Some people don't want to enable it. Um, some people believe that, uh, shifting that blue pill it's red pill, blue pill, and there's a version because we haven't seen enough of it yet, right? This yeah. is like, we have some really large enterprise clients that regularly ask me and the product team and our transformation teams, how come you can't show me the Google transformation story case study or the Amazon one <laughs> or the insert any SaaS-based digital company?
0: And we're like, well- Show me the happy endings. They're-, they're
1: <laughs> they're babies, they're yeah. infants. They're, they're not nearly as complex. They don't have 80 years worth of baggage. They don't have Yeah, they started al- that way. Th- well, that's right. And and when I say that we're back to red pill, blue pill, now they're, now we're asking them to take a leap of faith on a pill that they've never seen before. Yeah. And they just see it works over there, but they've never sat inside of it. And, and that feels uncomfortable. And so there's this like well, I'm certain I can keep making some money with this pill and it's working this well, yeah. but you're asking me to take a risk on a thing. I don't even know about. Yeah. And, and that's the like scary. Awesome, well, scary, but awesome piece of product for me and for, for our org is we have really smart people yeah. and that can help tell that story. I like to think about product mm-hmm. and product people and designers, maybe even like, like, I really think our our CFOs are beautiful designers and it's just around storytelling. And what we're talking about is like design, wow. solving problems within constraints. Our CFO used to do an ops review every month and his right. problem, his design problem was, I gotta get a whole bunch of people who don't speak my language to understand this thing with three arrows to go up and down that are three different colors. Like he solved a design problem and made it so digestible. He had three arrows and we looked month over month or year over year, or whatever the frame was, Is this better or worse in a nominal thing? And then we color-coded it red, green, yellow, or he color-coded it red, green, yellow. And so it could be down, but green. Maybe that's what we were looking for, was a down arrow and down arrows mean green. Maybe an up arrow meant green, but he solved the problem, right? Like that's design, that's product. That's like, he has a
0: product. I just, I don't think that many people at that level think of themselves as design people. And maybe that's even a fundamental aspect of this is we don't see ourselves as, Designers, yeah, we're we're, we're broaching into
1: um, you know the edge of the comfortable territories with leading agile and <laughs> and, and our literature, but there is this. The whole movement out there, um, it's there's a book, it's called The Rise of the DEO. Okay. And it's all this notion of like, our leaders are going to be reformed designers because they can storytell, they can solve problems. Wow. They treat their organization the same way you talked about in Eric Ries' book, yeah. that, that that is product. And the design is now the emphasis. It's not just about leaning it out. I had a, as this gets connected, right? I, I just keep on like getting triggers Dave. We could sit here for hours and talk about this stuff. Which I'm going to awesome.
0: bring this back in a minute, but go ahead. Um I
1: I just had a chat with the executive council at one of our clients around what is efficiency gains in a product based world. Right. Right. There are manufacturer efficiency gains for them is lean out the system 3%, 3% less headcount, 3% less spend in the machine. It can produce just as much. And yeah, I love the face you made, right? Because very that's Taylor. Yeah. And what <laughs> we're talking about is well. If you had the money and you want to spend it, shouldn't we look at efficiency as how much more value we can get out for the same spend versus trying to reduce the spend? And there was this like tension, fist fights of like, yeah. no, we need to spend less money. But they also in the exact same breath will say, we need to spend more money over here. And it sounds like what you're saying is you just want to make the trade-offs to spend money in the right place. Let's have that as a design problem or as a product problem or as an organizational problem that you leadership team work through. Not a, how do I save money here to then possibly go spend money over here? It's how do we build the structures that then enable us to really think about where value could be generated? And And that could be like on the line or giving people an extra day off or whatever it could be anything we think of and and that's the buying beautiful... everyone a
0: puppy and they're happier and they come to work with better people
1: <laughs> yeah i want to lo- i want to work for that company um but i also then need them to buy the daycare for the puppy because because got to do my job got to work <laughs> um, so yeah dave I, like I, I very much like all of this jazz is me all of this jazz is yeah. me it jazzes our product people and you know the the thing that i want to just like make sure people that listen to this, think about, and think about the specialties and the product people at leading agile is there's a level of maturity or a level of comfort that our product, our product team has gone through. And this is a common attrition point for us. Um, product people traditionally like fun, sexy things. Yeah we are asking product people to come into this transformation system and do product on transformation and then possibly do product in transformation. Right. And what it means is as a product person, I no longer own a widget, a thing, right? right? You call it out. You own the experience and enabling people. And that really excites me. But for some product people, there is the, I need to touch a tangible thing that I watch go out and that adoption and we don't do that, right? Like we're not going in as product people. And this is probably what separates our product, um, cohort and consulting away from some of our competition or some other, um, product consulting titles out there. I don't go into our clients and say. Oh, that's interesting information, um, but completely the wrong persona to spend money on or the wrong market to go into yeah. or the wrong widget to produce. That's not our space. We're, we're not going in as subject matter experts saying, I'm a fintech specialist. And if you spend money there, you're throwing it away. Right. What I go into that same team and says, oh, that's a lot of interesting information. It looks like 50% of it is based off of biased assumption that you actually cannot show me an artifact of where you did any work. Right. That sounds like a bad decision. I can tell them that I can say, Oh, your journey map, the tool you used, um, you populated by yourself. You didn't get any input from engineering or anybody else. They're the
0: designers. They don't need
1: help. Right. <laughs> or I can say, you know, this structure of how we decompose the strategy piece all the way down to our story yeah. was missing 10 people that are so critical. And they know the skeleton in the closet that you don't. Like I get to go in and talk to them about the quality of their decisions, the yeah. quality of their structures, the quality of their artifacts, um, maybe the maturity of their language, and then at the end of the day, how they tell a story. Okay, like that is what all this is, and and that's the split, right? So we we found wildly brilliant people who are so good at doing product doing. Yeah, but we don't do like this. Is going to sound silly. We don't do a lot of product doing. No, we it do a sounds, lot of product coaching so that you can then do.
0: But it's uh, the, the thing that I, I kind of want to end on is I want to try to describe, this is a, a home for a certain type of product geek. It sounds like, and <laughs> it sounds to me like it's product geeks who are able to see more than just the the product itself is whatever. That's not the actual product that you're focused on.
1: Yeah. Uh, so spot on, Dave. And I think that when I watch and interview and interact with people in product or around industry that talk about product, there is that split, right? Yeah. And and I'm going to use a, a very real metaphor that's happening right now in the design world. We see the split or we see the unification or we see the debate around, is it UX? Is it UI? Is it UX slash UI? Is it UI UX? Is it service design? Is it research? Well, the right, answer we, so is we Yes. Get, it, or it's a, what, condi- what conditions are you in? Because okay. sometimes I do need the person who has the competencies that can make it look beautiful, but also really make the UX decision. And so okay. in the product parallel, sometimes we have people that are really good at just doing,
0: yeah.
1: and they don't have the maturity yet. Maybe they're young in their career. Maybe they've just always been in the conditions that have enabled them to be successful. And they've never worn the stripes of pain of like, oh, to be a product manager, it's actually 80% of the job is uh soft skills, social, socialization of a story and fighting with the leadership team to help them understand. Yeah. Some product managers just have this beautiful little box and they get to go do doing. Some product managers spend 80% of their day never doing delegating to product owners or other product managers. And this is where you see, like, I'm a senior product manager. Well, it sounds like you probably don't know much doing. It sounds like you're working on the system right. to then build in the system. Okay. And that's where we're really, you know, interestingly looking towards our future as a firm, right? Like, how much of the blend do we need? Do we need more of the product doers? Well, yeah. today we're still transformation oriented. We need more of those. I can see around the corner without the flashlight or the little mirror that yeah, lets me yeah, see yeah. to know what's coming as a product person. And I'm comfortable that that is what doing now looks like. And that's the way I really talk about, talk about it okay. with people I'm interviewing is you're doing now my doing is the results of people. It's the results of effort. It's yeah. the result of transformation and some product people, not—that's not that's just, like, just like some product people don't want to go into healthcare. Some yeah. product people don't want to work in a fintech. Cool. My subject matter expertise and what I'm looking for with leading agile and what I hope we're building for leading agile product people is your subject matter expertise as organizations, as product who can enable the team so that you get happy employees that can achieve whatever transformation business drivers there. That's my sp- subject matter expertise. Yeah. It's not healthcare. It's not fintech. It's not NASCAR. It's not major league baseball. It's not any of those specifics. That's my domain, and that's what we're looking for: is people that that are interested uh, in making that shift. Yeah, which gets us to you know the thing I want to close on, Dave, and we'll continue to talk as much <laughs> as you want. But the thing I want to close on is a lot of our product people, yeah, have designer in their titles. Yeah, probably have been around agile, but aren't agilist or or big a agile. Yeah, They might have, maybe you have, right? There's, there's paths to get to this because we're so young in the word product, but I don't know what the resume of a product person looks like today, right? It's so diverse. It's so divergent. And like I was a a BA or a scrum master. I went into a product ownership role. I went into product management and now I want to come work for leading that. Okay. That's cool. Can you coach? Can you help us understand transformation? If so, yay, let's chat. Sometimes I'm a designer who was a UI designer, went to a UX designer, asking the same questions we leading in are asking about organizations, about the product I was working on. And now I'm tired of working on widgets. I wanna work on problems. That's my background, right? Like I came through the design background side and I was like, oh, strong parallel. Now I just wanna help people.
0: Yeah.
1: I think there's also product people that um, have never had the word product on their resume that are absolutely right for the work we do. One of my personal best friends in, in life uh, has worked for a change management shop um, his whole life, and he does product. He just will never say it, right? And like that's yeah. the, the wildly interesting thing is this guy would be so successful in our product role, even though he doesn't associate with the word product right. per se or has never had product on his resume. And so I want to make sure like, as we chat. It's how you see the world. It's That's exactly right. And what product is for leading agile, I think, and what my current hypothesis is, and I'm going to just exercise all of our tools on ourselves right now. Today, during this podcast, product is, can you find people that know how and want to work through assumptions and hypotheses to help the situation, which is probably a system, be better, stronger, faster? and. Maybe they don't have all the tools to provide it to be better, stronger, faster, but they know how to smell it out to then say, oh, I've seen this pattern before. I can't solve it, but Susie can. Come on, Susie. Let's go do this thing together.
0: Cool. This was great. I want to stop there because I was actually good like five minutes ago. So (laughs) what if people want to get in touch with you? What's the best way to reach you? I think
1: the best way is um, probably just through leading agile, normal channels, right? We've got our whole website, which is Beautiful. It probably doesn't sound totally like this. We're working to get some of this language out there. Um, but but Agile's website or directly to me via email, it's andrew.young at
0: levyandagile.com. Cool. All right. Thanks, man. This was great. I really appreciate it. And I want to do a bunch more interviews about this stuff. So thank you for making time for it. Absolutely, Dave. Anytime.